Hallelujah. And it's good to sing a hymn like that. Now, some of the hymns this evening, uh, Pete, uh, they would have, uh, my, my grandmother would have been absolutely delighted. Haven't sung some of these for a long time, and it's a joy to be able to do it. Now, if you've got children, of course, one of the big issues that uh, comes up from the minute, perhaps you know as a couple that you're expecting a baby, you're not sure if it's going to be a boy or a girl, and if it's like Joe and I, you end up sort of like thinking of all the different names that you could possibly come up with. And you start going down them, and, 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 you know, the guys are pretty sort of easy about this, you know. You, you, you can't get in the way when your wife makes a decision, you go with it, because there's no point in making any, uh, any sort of attempt to, to change things. But the, the reality is, how many people have chosen the name Judas for their son of recent? Okay, now the truth is, throughout the whole world, the name Judas hasn't been selected. And yet we know it's a Bible name, it's a name that... Uh, uh, one of the brothers of the Lord Jesus, half-brother, was, uh, was named Judas and so on. So we discover very clearly that, that there are uh, meanings in names that we need to be careful with. And Judas is, uh, is one of them that we wouldn't choose because of the connotations that it has. Now, I was going to bring uh, along a little bag with 30 silver coins in, 30 um, uh, quarters, but we had a whip round and we could only find three. So that meant that that particular example wasn't a possibility this evening. I was going to throw it out and say, count them and see what we've got here. Not how much they're worth, but how many coins are contained in that little bag. Judas has the, um, not privilege. Do you know that Judas is the only man in the Bible who is specifically named as being in hell? Okay, I want you to think about that for a moment. Uh, we've just read, and Randy read uh, very well, that section of Scripture which uh, uh, speaks so clearly of the fact that Jesus knew who Judas was. He knew a great deal. He knew everything about him, didn't he? And so we know that uh, uh, Judas uh, comes along, and as we read in the end of that section, but Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go you have the words of eternal life. Now, just before we talk about the rest of it, aren't those words amazing? Who are we going to go to? Who else has the words of eternal life? Have you met anybody else out in the street who tells you, hey, I've got the words of eternal life, and when you think about it and listen to what they have to say, they've got something to talk about? No, because it's only Jesus. It's only Jesus that has the words of life. Other people will come up and they'll tell you all sorts of things, what they can do for you, but I'm not interested in what they can do for me. I want to know what Jesus does for me because it's Jesus that has indeed the words of eternal life. And so Simon Peter, and we spoke about him briefly this morning, and, and he says, you know, who are, we, who are we going to go to? To whom shall we go who has, you have the words of eternal life? Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, he seems to be speaking here of the disciples, and he's talking perhaps, you know, he says, we, we've come to know that you have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe in you. We've come to put our trust in you, to place our, our hope in you, because you have the words of eternal life. We believe you. We know that you are the Christ. We know that you are the Son of the living God. Now, that in itself is utterly incredible, isn't it? They knew that Jesus was the Son of the living God. Do you know Jesus? You've heard all about him. You've read about him. Perhaps you've come to church before. If this is the first time you've come this evening, you've heard about him. You've heard your parents talk about him. Maybe your grandparents talk about him. And there it is. We know that he is the son of the living God. Jesus answered them and said, did I not choose you, the twelve? And one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. <clears throat> For it was he who would betray him being one of the twelve. Now we get the idea that Judas was just terrible. He was. But we almost get the idea and the impression that we are better than Judas. That we're in a category above, you know, look at this guy, how could he ever have done this? And yet I'm going to ask you the question, when did you last betray the Lord Jesus Christ? I have many times when I've been asked who it is that I believe in, who it is that I have my faith and my trust in, and I've said nothing about Jesus, about his love for me, 
because I was afraid or I didn't want to be embarrassed or somebody was going to say something unkind. And there have been times when there were opportunities to talk of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, to explain to people what it is to know and to love him. And I've chosen to keep quiet. And I've betrayed him. And there have been times when I've been presented with a direction to go in and I know that it's the right direction and I've deliberately chosen the opposite. Because I don't want to follow Jesus all the time or I haven't wanted to. And so here this evening, how different are we really? And some of you, already these words are resonating with you because you can, you know, as I've been speaking, suddenly that occasion just sinks in. It comes to your mind and you think to yourself, I let him down. I betrayed him. Instead of coming to church with your family or bringing your children to church, you chose to do something else. You know, we only have 52 Sundays in a year. And each one is precious. The time when we can meet together with God's people and when we can bring people into the presence of of a group of people who have the Holy Spirit living within them. And we want to be part of that. And every time we don't bring our children along and every time we don't set the example that we should do for them, we're betraying the Lord Jesus Christ who said, you need to meet. Don't ever give up meeting, the scriptures tell us. And so we understand that. Proverbs 14 verse 12 says, you can relate to this one as well. It says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. And Judas was in this category. He saw the end that he wanted because he'd got himself into a spot of bother over the issue of greed. Filthy lucre, whatever you want to call it, money. And that was his undoing. And the thought of 30 pieces of silver, the worst transaction he could possibly have made. And what did he end up doing with that money? He threw it into the temple doorway, onto the floor. And the chief priests, they said, go away. It was your choice, your decision. You did this. Don't blame us for it. You took the cash. And that was Judas. That was Judas. And so we recognize that when we talk about Judas, we discover that... uh, It immediately brings certain things to our mind. And of course, none of us are going to name our sons Judas. There are times that we meet people and under our breath we say, he's a bit of a Judas, isn't he? Because when we come across people that are deceitful and dishonest, when they're traitors, that's how uh, we have begun to understand. And we'll talk about more uh, about that a little bit later. Uh, Bishop J.C. Ryle. Now, Bishop J.C. Ryle was the Bishop of London in, uh, in Great Britain. Sorry, uh, of Liverpool, actually. <clears throat> and uh, I, I thoroughly enjoy uh, reading some of his uh, devotional books, particularly. And he made this statement. He said, open sins have killed its thousands, but secret sin, it's tens of thousands and tens of thousands and tens of thousands. And the bishop was right when he spoke about Judas. Because Judas had all the tremendous and awesome benefits of somebody who knew the Lord Jesus Christ. They shared a life together with the other disciples. He was there. He saw Jesus at work. He heard the voice of Jesus speaking to him. He saw the way that Jesus was gentle and kind, that he didn't get angry, that he was able to deal with terrible, difficult situations. How he saw the way that he spoke to people, and you know what? He cared for people. And that's the thing that, that I, um, I've started off in my prayer diary. And every day I pray, Lord, that I would care for people, that I'd love people. And then underneath I've got in brackets, even the ones that don't love me, even the ones that aren't very lovely, even the ones that are really difficult to get on with, the ones that you sort of like see them coming down the street and you cross over to the other side. But we can't do that because we need to show and to demonstrate our love and our concern for people. 
And Judas had the tremendous privilege, the awesome privilege of, of seeing Jesus at work, of hearing him speak. He saw the benefits of knowing Jesus. And this evening, the message that we're talking about is to try and understand what it was that Judas walked away from. Because he did that. He didn't have to. He saw the benefits that there were of knowing the Savior, and he walked away deliberately, and he chose a different path. <clears throat> One of the things that he also saw was people converted to faith, people who came to know Jesus. He saw this greedy little tax collector. I, I, I love those words, greedy little tax collectors. They just sort of goes together. I've often felt sorry for anybody who works for Canada Revenue or, or the Inland Revenue, and they come to church because whenever the scriptures are read and the tax collectors are spoken of, it must have a bit of a sort of thing, oh dear. And then, you know, would you sort of keep quiet about what your job was? I work for the government. Yes, <laughs> okay. But this greedy little tax collector, uh, and he's up in a tree, uh, and, and Judas watches as Jesus walks by, and he looks up into this tree and, and Jesus our Lord just graciously says hey do you want to come down Let, let's go to your place for a chat okay let, let's have a cup of tea together let's let, let, let's talk about the situation that you find yourself in and Judas must have been thinking to himself you know whatever's going on here and yet think of Zacchaeus and the problem he had of greed and the problem that Judas had of greed and yet Judas sees that this little man is totally transformed, completely and utterly transformed. But Judas can't help but steal from the money bag. And he keeps on stealing from the money bag. He just couldn't help it. He had to have more and more and theft from his friends and from Jesus Every single day became easier and easier because when you allow sin to dominate in your life, it starts off, you feel terribly guilty about it. And then the next time it gets easier. And all of a sudden, it's become your second nature. It's not a problem at all. And he probably began by borrowing a few, a few shekels here and there. You know, I'll pay it back later. And how many people have started off in life in exactly that way. I've heard some terrible stories of older people where their children have come in so-called to look after them. <laughs> they've cleared the bank account out and when all the money's gone, everybody's destitute and they're thrown out in the street because greed comes in. Judas had even done the work of Jesus and as one of the 12, Judas had participated in the work of God and inspiring, uh, sorry, in spreading the words of Jesus. I think it's in Matthew 10, tremendous uh, account where we discover that Judas himself would have been involved in the miracles and so on that were being uh, presented and being done. But none of this saved him. And that's what we were talking about this morning. You know, I, 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 I could be friends with Randy here, all right? And, and, you know, he's a great guy. He reads his Bible and it's tremendously encouraging for me. And, and I could say to myself, well, I hope that just being with him will mean that I'll start reading my Bible. It doesn't work that way. Because we can try and think that just by being with Christian people that it's going to wear off. Well, it didn't with Judas. He continued stealing the money even though he had the Lord Jesus there speaking, talking to him. And Jesus knew all the way through. Every time that shekel was taken, our Lord knew where it had gone. None of it saved him. None of this led Judas into a personal walk, an intimate walk with Jesus, he pretended. And how often is it that we can be good at pretending? You know, everybody else thinks we're fine. Not Randy, he's a lovely Christian chap. But do we know what's deep down? And so we have to see very clearly that it is to know and to love the Lord Jesus that makes the difference. You can be as religious as you want and you will not get to heaven because religious people don't get to heaven. People that have faith in Jesus Christ, the gates are open wide and you're welcomed in. Because the Bible tells us that's the only way. It is only through faith in Jesus Christ that we're able to come to God the Father. 
Judas was able to see and to hear what was right, but he never was able to really participate in the full life of the Lord Jesus. And in this respect, Judas has got to be the picture of so many of us when we look and we think about ourselves. You know, we're good people. All of us like to think that. I'd love to think that all of us in this tent this evening are good people. But I'd love to know that more than that, in this tent tonight, you know and love the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is because you know him that your attitude is different, that your way of thinking has been changed completely because you've got Jesus living within you. And it is Jesus living his life through you. But if you don't know Jesus, how can that be? You're on your own, friends. You're facing all eternity on your own. The person who has convinced themselves that they're right before God and that they have nothing to be afraid of. Judas saw the harvest being brought in. Now, this is an interesting point. As the gospel was preached, he saw people being saved. The woman at the well. Jesus is there. He talks to her. He explains to her. Then she goes off into the town. The disciples had gone off into the town earlier to buy bread, we're told. But there wasn't a revival that took place when they went to the town. It was this woman that went because she had a testimony to share. And what did she do? She was so excited. She had to tell everybody. And in sharing her testimony, we're told that many people believed because they saw a life changed. And Judah saw that. But it didn't change him. He saw the harvest. The prophet Jeremiah had made this observation in Jeremiah 8 verse 20. It's a wonderful set of verses, which, or just one verse actually, but it's words that we know of and that, uh, that we, we, uh, we perhaps skip over too quickly. And, and Jeremiah talks about this. He says, the harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we're still not saved. Don't you realize what's going on around us? You see, God is so patient with you much more patient than I am. <laughs> but we must never presume on his patience. But every day that he gives us is a day that we can come closer to him. Every day that he gives us is a day that we have the opportunity to recognize our sinfulness and to call out to him for salvation. To recognize our need and to see that in him is the answer. But never presume on his patience. And friend, the harvest is underway. Today in the world, many people are being won to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We get the idea here in Canada, you know, everything's ground to a halt. The church is of no significance. That's not true. But there are places in the world where the church is growing mightily and people by the thousands are being saved and brought into the kingdom of God. And God is graciously giving those opportunities in different places. We've had our opportunities in many uh, decades in the past. There was a time, as I've said before, when Ontario was the place that there were more Christians, more people in church than any other part of the Western world. There were more people in churches than there were seats. You know, we do pretty well to fill as many as we do on a Sunday evening. But listen, we've got to invite people in. We need to encourage them. We need to go out to reach them. We need to share the gospel with them because the harvest is there. It's greater than it's ever been and the workers are more timid than they've ever been. The resources are getting fewer and farther between, but we have an opportunity that we need to make the most of. You're literally standing in the place that Judah stood. You're here in this fellowship. You're here in this tent this evening. And you're hearing the words of Jesus. You've heard about the miracles that have been recorded for us. John said, didn't he? In, I think, John 20, verse 30. He said, all these things have been recorded that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ and that you might inherit everlasting life. You even have friends who keep bugging you about it and they keep reminding you, you need to know Jesus. You need to come to him. You need to surrender all to him. 
And Judas heard this and they would have spoken to him. But he didn't listen. And there are some of us here this evening who are not listening. You know, the lights are on, but no one's home, it seems. We need to start listening. Not just hearing the words, but actually receiving the words into our hearts and into our lives. And hearing and listening to what Jesus has to say. I don't want you to listen to me in that sense. It's the words of Jesus that we need to hear. So how is it possible that Judas would never repent of his sin when he had all this presented to him? How is it possible that he would never be able to know Jesus, King Jesus, as his friend? Well, something absolutely paralyzed his conscience and his heart so much that he was absolutely able to betray Jesus and to sell him for 30 pieces of silver. He betrayed the God-man that he had lived with and worked with for so long. And I believe that right back at the beginning, Judas did want to know Jesus. But as so often happens even to us, the cares and the temptations and the worries and the difficulties of this world, the sins of this world, come along and they take our eye off of the Savior. They take our eye off of the God who loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus to save us. And suddenly we haven't got time to look at these things. And suddenly we discover we're not interested in, in anything to do with God. And we'll find every excuse possible not to come. I was talking to a parent who's struggling with their children and said, Look, you've got to come to church till you're 18. That's the rules. And the children say, As soon as I'm 18, I'm off. Because they don't want to know. Perhaps just a little at first, but increasingly the sin and the pressures of this world, when they're allowed to take hold and the hook is pushed in further and further until the barb clicks over. And you know that once that fish is on the hook, it's not going to get off because the barb has gone through. There's no going back. Judas didn't suddenly say, I'm in this for the money right back at the beginning. It was a gradual development, and that's how greed usually works. Yes, Judas was a thief, and he stole from the money bag. And when a woman came along and wanted to express her adoration for the Lord Jesus Christ, because she loved him, and she brought this jar of expensive perfume, and it was expensive. We're told it cost a year's wages. Now, you know, that's a lot of money. Imagine all that pile of bread, and you end up with this. And she took it, and she broke it, and she poured this ointment, this perfume, on the feet of the Lord Jesus. And then she wiped them clean with her hair. And Judas, instead of seeing the testimony of a beautiful, beautiful thing happening, he says, all this money's been wasted. He says, we could have given it to the poor. What he really meant was, it could have gone in the money bag and I could have bought a new car or whatever it is that we could have had out of this because that's how his mind was thinking. Why this waste, he says. But it wasn't his love for the poor that made him say this. It was his love for money that drove him to say it. You see, greed was eating away at him. <clears throat> and before he knew it, greed had won him over. And when the chief priests made the proposal to Judas, you betray your master, your Christ, and we'll give you 30 pieces of silver. What did he do when he jumped at it? 30 pieces of silver. I'm not sure what you can buy with 30 pieces of silver, but even today you can buy quite a lot with 30 pieces of silver. And it was all his. 
And so often it's the love of material things that distract us in our lives. And we have to be so careful of these things. As we spoke of this morning, what did the Apostle Paul said? He said, be content with the food that you have and the clothes that you wear. Now, I'm not suggesting that we go out and sell everything and give it to the poor. Uh, and Jesus wasn't making that point either. But what we do have to recognize that as we are blessed, we're careful with what we do with our money. And if you're able to give, then give generously. And there are some of us who think to ourselves, I can't afford anything. And yet we have a house, we have a car. And so what we need to do always, and my wife and I, because we used to be like that, as, it's being honest, isn't it? You know, I'm sorry, Lord, there's nothing left over this month. <laughs> Could someone else fill it in for us? And we made the decision that we would give the money to God first. And so we've got a, a, a bank direct debit thing set up. And so that money goes out every week first. And we discovered, and this is amazing how it happens, that what was left was more than what we had before. <laughs> because that's how God works. That's how his economy works. And I'm not preaching a prosperity theology. Don't go and shoot me afterwards for that. I'm not. I'm just simply reminding you that our God is a gracious God and a generous God. But he expects us to get our priorities right as well. Luke 14, 33. Whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. So what was Jesus' sin? What is so often the most serious sin in our lives? And I think it's the case for all of us. Well, it's really quite a simple answer to that question. It's preferring something else over Jesus. It doesn't matter what it is. It can be a relationship. It can be our family. It can be our money. It can be our time. But it can be anything that we prefer over Jesus. For Judas, it was money. He loved the feel of the coins and he used to jingle it at night just to see. How, and he, he was really good at weighing it and he could tell you how many shekels there were in it just by holding it in his hand. The Bible doesn't specifically say that, but I can imagine that that's how good he had got. He loved to hear the coins tinkling and to feel the weight and then to help himself and to spend it. And of course, Judas knew the Old Testament scriptures. He knew Proverbs and he knew Proverbs 3. As indeed Jewish people know this section of Scripture really well. It's the section of Scripture that is read when the Torah is placed back into the ark in the synagogue. And it says this, Happy is the man who finds wisdom. Are you looking for wisdom? And the man who gains understanding. Are you looking for understanding as God gives it to you? For her proceeds are better than the profits of silver. And her gain than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies. And all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. Length of days is in her right hand. And in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are the ways of pleasantness. And all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. And happy are all who retain her. And what did Judas do? He went out and hanged himself. Judas knew Proverbs 8.13. The fear of the Lord is to what? Hate evil. Have you let evil into your home recently? Into your life? It didn't look like evil you open the doors wide and Satan came in. Judas knew Proverbs 8.17 I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently will find me. 
But Judas never did diligently seek the Lord Jesus. Yes, he followed. He was with him. But he didn't diligently seek him. And what about you this evening? Are you diligently seeking the Lord? Do you know what diligent means? It means to be careful. It means to look everywhere. It means to leave no stone unturned until you find the Lord in every area of your life. What is it that you prefer over Jesus? What is it that you concentrate on and you put all your efforts into? And all your time and all your money. What is it? Perhaps it is greed, just like Judas. And that greed is at the expense of everybody. And it's incredible this how this can happen. It can be the expense of your family as well. You can steal money from your family. This is unbelievable, isn't it? Husbands can be deceitful and hide things. Some of the girls here are now thinking, I'm going to have to check our bank books just to make sure what's going on. But if you know your husband and he loves the Lord, then, then there's no fear. But you can siphon off stuff, cash transactions and so on. Greed will affect us to that level. Perhaps it's pornography. Again, at the expense of your wife and your family, you hold on to the moments of fleeting pleasure derived from watching or reading the most appalling stuff. And all it does is wreck your life and it destroys your home and it destroys your relationship with your wife and your family. And it breaks your relationship with Jesus. Who loved us so much that he died for you. He took the sin of your pornography on himself on the cross. And he bled and he died. But despite all of that, you continue in your sin. And it breaks the heart of your family. All the disciples were gathered with Jesus in the upper room and Jesus broke bread and he taught them saying this. He said, take and eat this. I want you to do this in remembrance of me because he was preparing them for the time that he was going to ascend back to heaven. And he said, don't forget, don't forget. You know, sometimes I, I cross my fingers, okay, during the service in the early part to remember to say something that's come to my mind and then I, my fingers get uncrossed and I forget it. Because Jesus knew, God knows what we're like, and he, the fact is we forget things. And he said this, never forget what I've done for you. Never forget that my body was broken for you. Never forget that my blood was shed just for you. And he went on and he took the cup and he said, take and drink. It will remind you that my precious blood is going to be shed for you so that your sins are forgiven. And he says, don't forget this. And understand what it means, what I've done for you. And then Jesus went around the twelve, including Judas, including Judas. And he gets down on his knees and, and he has a bowl of water. And he washes their feet. And Judas comes before him and places his feet in the bowl. Could you imagine what was going through his mind? And the Lord knew everything. He knew what Judas was thinking. And at this point, Jesus reveals the startling news that one of the twelve was to betray him. The other eleven didn't have the foggiest. It shows Judas was good at what he was doing. Because... When a man or a woman starts to lie, they get very, very good at it. They'll fail, yes, they'll make mistakes. How could this be, they think? And all of them cry out, Lord, is it I? Lord, is it I that is going to do this? And now I want you to notice the difference as to what Judas said. 
imitating the others, but failing to do so, he addressed Jesus and he says, Rabbi, is it I? Why is that significant? It's significant because Judas never held Jesus as Lord. And we've spoken about this so often in our fellowship. What position do you give Jesus in your life? Is he a good friend? Is he somebody that you look up to? A good teacher? Or is he Lord? And do we understand what that means to call someone Lord? It is means that he has everything. He is my Lord. He is over all in everything in my life. But so often we're not prepared to do that because we want to keep those special things for us. For me. Rabbi, is it I? You see, Judas knew that he was deceiving the other 11. But he also knew that it was impossible to deceive the Lord Jesus. Yes, he had tried, but he couldn't do it because Jesus knew his heart. And friends, we've got to be careful. We try to even deceive Jesus. But I need to remind you, you cannot do that because he knows you. I like to say he knows every hair on your head. Now, in my case, he knows me a little bit more easy than some of the rest of you, okay? But that's the thing. He knows us. And he knew what Judas was thinking. And in answer to Judas's question, our Lord simply says to him, you said it. You said it. I'm going to betray you. And what did Judas do? He got up. And he walked out. Do you know how many people brought up in Christian families do exactly the same thing? When they're spoken to and when they're confronted with the gospel, finally, their conscience can't take it anymore, so they get up and they start to run and they run and they run and they keep running. And they get themselves busy with all sorts of other things and they keep running. Some run to other countries, some run around the world, but they're running. And they keep running. We close now by briefly considering four consequences of Judas's betrayal. And we'll go quickly. I want you to remember that sin is always a thief. It robs you. It robs you of everything, of any value in your life. Firstly, Judas lost the promises of Christ. You see, in John 13, verse 27, our Lord has confronted Judas and he says to Judas, what you've got to do, go and do it quickly. And the first thing Judas does is get up and walk out. Verse 30 tells us that Judas took the bread and then he went out immediately. And then you have that chilling verse at the end, which says, and it was night. And so often this is exactly how we deal with the conviction of sin that is brought across our path. We get up and we leave. We run away and we keep running. Judas left the room before he was able to hear what Jesus had to say in John 14. And here in John 14, Jesus said to the remaining disciples, he said, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, also believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And we sang about these mansions earlier. If it were not so, Jesus went on to say, I tell you it wasn't the truth. And he went on to say, and he said, And I go to prepare a place for you. But he didn't prepare a place for Judas because Judas has left. And indeed, our Lord has gone and he has prepared a place for all of his disciples. For you and I who know and love the Lord Jesus, but not Judas. Judas left the place of promise. And so often, I fear there are people here. You'll leave the place of promise. Turn your back on what has been spoken to you and declared. Judas ran from the presence of the Lord. And we know what happened to Jonah when he gave that a go. And it happens to so many of us. You know, there's this long string that we're on. It's like that dog with one of those leads, you know. And it goes, <laughs> And eventually the dog's caught up short, back legs in the air. And that all too often happens for us. But whilst he ran, he would never be able to run from the conviction of his sin. 
Judas went out into the night and it's still night for Judas. But friend, what about you? If you were to die tonight, would you have the certainty of going to heaven? Now usually the answer that people give to that particular question when we ask it is, well, I hope so. Pretty good idea that that's what's going to happen. I mean, how could God ever turn me away? I mean, look at the others. You know, what's the choice? I'm obviously the one. <laughs> well, I say to you, and I say this graciously and with humility, I know I'm going to heaven. And there are many of you here this evening who know that you're going to heaven because you know that Jesus lives in your heart through his Holy Spirit. And he's promised you. And he says, you're mine. And nobody else is going to take you because you're mine. But Judas dashed out and collected 30 pieces of silver from the priests. And he betrayed the prince of life He also lost the promise of heaven. What was the second consequence of Judas's betrayal? He joined the opposers of Jesus. You see, if you're not for Christ, then you're against him. Judas, G Judas knew this because the Lord Jesus had told him back in Matthew 12, verse 30. And he said this, He who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. There's no in-between here. And there are many people in churches all over this country who are scattering abroad rather than building up. Are you one of them? There are wolves dressed in sheep's clothing. And they're dangerous. They scatter the flock. And they try to destroy the church. But no sooner had Judas betrayed Jesus than the remorse came flooding in and he went back to the chief priests and the scribes and he said, I've betrayed innocent blood. Please get me out of this situation. And they weren't interested. What's that to us, they replied. It's your responsibility. You took the money. Judas took the 30 pieces of silver and he threw it on the temple floor in utter desperation. There was a lovely Christian girl um, back in the uh, church uh, that uh, I grew up in, in Reading in England. She was really pretty. Okay, Now, if you're really pretty, you're quite often very popular. All right. She was one of these people that had a smile and uh, all the boys would just sort of like go weak at the knees in the presence of Sally. Sally controlled the youth group just because of who she was. She knew, she, she knew very clearly that following Jesus required being obedient to him in everything. And then the captain of the soccer team comes along. And he's tall and muscly. And he's got everything going for him. But he's not a believer. And Sally was presented with this issue. What am I going to do? Because she liked him. And she chose to pursue him. And she didn't pursue Jesus. And I heard that sometime later, uh, it was a strange uh, coincidence, I met her father. And I said, how's Sally? And he said, life's terrible for her. Everything's gone wrong. They married and divorced. 
I said, did, did she come to the Lord? No. You see, that was her opportunity. She was given a choice. And she chose to go that way instead of that way. And we're presented with these choices all the time. Judas lost the promises of Christ and he joined the opposition. And another consequence of his betrayal of Jesus was that he died without Christ. You know, when you come to faith in the Savior almost instantly, you cannot imagine how you lived your life before you knew Jesus. And then you meet people who don't know Jesus, people who just live their lives, and you think to yourself, how does that person live? How do they get up in the morning and function during the day when they have no idea of what's going on? There's fear in so many different things. And you're saying to yourself, this is impossible. And Judas saw everything. But even more unbelievable is how anybody would dare to die without knowing God. Now that is beyond our ability to fathom. And yet now, today, people choose death. And the hospitals in our country help them and provide it. Judas sold God's son, the Prince of Peace, for 30 measly bits of silver, and he didn't even have 30 days to spend it. He didn't spend one of them. He threw the lot on the temple floor. What a fool! And the Bible tells us how Judas died. He hanged himself, Matthew 27, 5. But he died without God. Friends, there is no reason for anyone to die in that situation. God is not hiding from you. God didn't send his son Jesus secretly in the world to die on the cross for just a small group of people. He sent a star to point out where he was going to be born. He sent angels to sing and to wake the shepherds up. He sent kings from a long way away with three important gifts who spoke to the king. Everybody knew. It wasn't a secret. And there is no reason for any person in this country to not know about the Lord Jesus. But that does bring us back to ourselves as to what we do in terms of evangelism. No one need live or die without God, though our sins have cut us off from God. If we turn from our sins to Jesus Christ and ask for forgiveness, God will come and he will live graciously within us. He'll make you your home. Isn't that incredible? Me. You. Even some of the youngest of us here you're the home of the greatest God, the only God there is who created the universe and he's living in you. But Judas walked out into the darkness. Lastly, the Bible says that Judas died without the hope of heaven. The consequence of his leaving and walking out was that he lost heaven. The worst consequence of all? As I mentioned right back at the beginning, Judas is the only man in the whole Bible who is individually named as being in hell. Jesus warned about hell so many times. After Judas died, he was scorned by the priests who had got what they wanted. He was scorned by the disciples when Peter stood up and said, this man was numbered with us, but he was a traitor. He scorned in Scripture for being the man who betrayed Jesus. And for 2,000 years, he has taken the scorn of a world that uses his name as a term to taunt anyone who is deceitful, anyone who is a traitor. And most tragic of all is that Judas in hell pours scorn on himself. 
surely he must cry out, I was one of the twelve. I heard the messages, I heard the sermons, I heard the teaching, I saw the miracles, I saw people converted. I even participated in the work of God. Judas was so close to God, but he wasn't close enough. Are you close to God, but not close enough? Close to Christ, but cut off from him because you will not come in submission and prayer. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Each of us has a choice. We either follow Jesus to heaven or Judas to hell. Which way will you go? You've heard the truth. You've read the scriptures. Let's pray. And so our gracious and loving Heavenly Father, as we have spoken and read of this account, I hope and pray with all my heart that every single person here in this tent this evening will decide to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. We're called to follow Jesus. We're called to repent of our sin. We're commanded, in fact, to repent. And I pray that we will do just that. That we will finally see and meet Jesus face to face. And recognize that it is only in him that we can see our sin dealt with. That it is only he that gives us hope for all eternity. That it is only through Jesus Christ that we are able to be made right with God. That we can be dressed in sparkly white beautiful robes. That cover our sin, deal with it. And we can be in heaven for all eternity. And we can live out the rest of our life here in this earth without fear. We can relax <laughs> in that sense because we know and love the Lord Jesus. And if there's anybody, Father, who's tempted to follow Judas, to be greedy, to be a pretender, to be a hypocrite, Graciously, Lord, stop them in their tracks and that they would turn around, repent of their sin and call to you for salvation. So, Lord, graciously hear our prayer this evening, we ask in Jesus' precious name.